Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Vegas studios, it is Weekend Geek Update. Smurf here, ready to fill you in on some of the latest and greatest in the nerdverse that has caught my eye and made me go, hmm, right. (laughs) Welcome to my little menagerie. Uh, We are sponsored by the Dairy Arts uh, Center in Boulder, and we will be doing a special event there. Uh, The Colorado Festival of Horror and the Dairy Arts Center have teamed up to deliver you one of the most spectacular, satisfying evenings this February. Actually, February 16th. It's February now. Today, February uh, is, is here already, and it's that was quick. January was gone in a blink. Uh, we will be there February 16th uh, for for My Bloody Valentine, which is a spectacular horror film. Lots of carnage. Uh, one of the favorites of mine, personally. I can't say enough about how cool it is to see people get killed with a pickaxe. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, actually, seating is limited um, so if you're interested in doing this, go to the link below. It is in the comments if you're on uh, our link on Facebook, or it's in the comments, uh, it's in the, the body of the text for Podbean and all of our other platforms. We're on every platform out there imaginable, so uh, wherever you may be, it is in the comments. If you're interested in going, click on it. Tickets are limited, and uh, it is just about a sold-out event, so... Uh, don't wait. If you are interested in hanging out with us, the best part about this is we are going to have the miner. Peter uh, Cowper is going to be there uh, doing signatures. And at the end of the film, I will be able to sit down and we're going to do a little Q&A, Peter and I. And I'm very excited. I think I've got my questions lined up, but... um, Come and check out. See if I see if I do a good job. Yes, <laughs> all these years of doing you know podcasts and interviews, I might I might not be right for this job. Actually, uh, I think I am. I think I found my niche, especially since last episode. And I didn't know this going in. Last episode was five hundred. We hit five hundred episodes, and it went by kind of in a blink. I was surprised that. And I don't. I don't look at stats. I don't. I don't think of numbers in that way. I, I do this well for a lot of reasons, but a lot of it is just a love for uh, the 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 nerdverse and and the interaction and the chance to speak and and interact with people. It's an, it's a great doorway to get out there and to be able to hit five hundred is a, a feat in itself because a lot of the the podcasters that I have encountered over my time over the years. Some are still around, some are not. Some have found other venues and other ways of expressing their their desire to continue to speak into a microphone. And God love every one of you who have have dedicated to the craft and, and, and continue to deliver. And, and thank you to the fans. I mean, you guys have helped 
move this forward. You've helped perpetuate my my need to to spread worthless knowledge, just to fill your head and your ears with hopefully something that you've enjoyed listening to and and have reveled in. The uh, the group has changed over the years, and it's been it's been fun. And I'm excited to go into 2024 with uh, this episode 501. So <laughs> hopefully the hits keep coming. There will be some some return people uh, coming in that we haven't heard from from a while because it, you know life everything gets in the way. And Red is going to probably make a, a reappearance here shortly. Uh, along with maybe we'll see about getting Private Cheeseburger, Double A Ron, back in just for an update because he's he's such a crazy crazy little guy that uh, we need to catch up with him. But there's been a lot of of special guests, hosts, guest hosts, fellow hosts, co-host, co-host. There we go. I, I knew I'd find the word sooner or later. So thank you for listening, and let's get on to what's got my attention this week. I will get to my take on Reacher, but before I do, I don't even know where to start on this, but He-Man Revolution on Netflix, written by Kevin Smith, is the sequel to the last series of He-Man, and it is, there is, there's so much fan service in this, this, I think it's five episodes, I mean, it's not long, and at, on the, on the outside, uh, I think the longest episode is maybe a little over 30 minutes, so you can burn through them pretty quick. And, of course, the most memorable thing to me from the last series was the fact that they just lit Moss Man on fire. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just still even just thinking about that just makes me laugh. It also, like, when you're watching, like, Lord of the Rings, uh, the, 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 the Two Towers, and you see the one tree guy running who's already on fire diving into the water. It's just kind of, the, you know, it's just, I know there's nothing funny about it. Well, there it is. But uh, to me, it's just, you know, ah, and he jumps into the water. But Moss Man, they lit on fire. And it was a little harsh. I was like, oh, that's a little over the top. <laughs> They're going to get letters on that one. But this one, there, there, there's, there's some, there's, it's an interesting uh, take, and there's some huge fan service. We do get Hordak, not a lot of him, in my opinion, and I think it would have been better to get more Hordak. Or, uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it would have been better if we had more Hordak. But it's an interesting um, extension of the story and kind of what we saw. If you've ever watched He Man from back in the day, there, there is some, some wonderful extensions and some closures that I'm sure the fans were screaming for back in the day. One of the which, of course, is the romantic interest between Tila and Prince Adam, who later becomes the Sorceress, and of course He-Man. So there's there's that that coupling right there. Uh, King Randor, go, you know, kaput, he's dead at the beginning of the you know first episode. Well, he's not dead yet, but you know, you get the idea. And it just kind of sets the stage for everything else. And the one funny, interesting thing about it is the merger of technology in, into sorcery. And that's always been, you know, like you have flying ships, but you have magic powers. And they kind of expand a little bit more on that whole premise, a little bit more of Eternia's background and where they came from, where they're going and all that. But the most... 
um, exciting aspect that I, I, I came away with on this was them kind of acknowledging the, I, I guess, official, unofficial background to Skeletor. It's a story out of the comics that uh, I read just because I was very curious to see what uh, what it was all about and how they were going to explain where Skeletor came from. And it's a very interesting story, and it holds kind of true to uh, the, the story I read in the comics. And it's it's kind of... It's a it's a fun, cool take. I liked it. I know that Kevin Smith caught so much flack from the nerds uh, in what he did with the previous run that he did for He-Man. And some of it was good. Some of it was bad. Um, but it, it was it was in what it was written. It was OK. This, I think, is a much better approach. And offers a lot, <laughs> a lot of different looks, especially when we we bring in um, even more fan service and acknowledge that the Masters of the Universe movie from with Dolph Lundgren, uh, Geldor shows up, and I actually think it's the same voice actor or actor that did Geldor from the movie. So to see them kind of acknowledge that and to, to just bring this full circle was was kind of fun. I, I kind of laughed. I was like, you got to be kidding me. There's, n- there's no way they're bringing in that guy. And, yep, sure enough. And to see Orko and Geldor argue, <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was, that was a little too much. But, okay, whatever, fine. And I'm not sure where this all falls in with, like, the masters of the universe purists and and all of that i don't i don't i don't actually have anyone in those in those circles oddly enough and i know when the film came out there was a lot of begrudging and nobody liked this and it was a horrible idea and why didn't they stick to the cartoon a little bit closer and eh, it is what it is it's fun you know courtney cox is in it when she was younger but the gildor a- a- angle in the cartoon is is hilarious in my opinion and i think he, he deserves an action give the give the guy an action figure here's your prize <laughs> is it worth watching sure i i didn't mind it it was like i said it was barely 30 minutes for each episode and kind of blazed through them and there was some interesting stuff and like I said a lot of fan service if you really loved the characters um we do finally get buzz off um we didn't get too many other characters and of course a ram man showed up because you know he man isn't complete without an appearance from ram man um but it's on Netflix right now give it a look you might like it but at the end we do I think we kind of get a, a a happy ending after all, you know, because that's that's what we're all looking for. All right. Well, so speaking of happy endings, uh, well, at least happy beginnings. The 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 sports people trying to pull in the nerd people is hilarious to me because I, I forgot which one it was. Because um, we've seen through through the sporting events, we saw the trailer for the new Halo season two. Which I mean, if if we're getting reach, and that's kind of what they're like hinting at. Ooh, I got goosebumps just thinking about it. Because um, that is again, like I said, one of my favorite stories, and I think that that's it's it's a key element. If you're gonna do a Halo series, that has to be in it. It absolutely does. Um, but uh, that's that's a, that's a debate for another day. But we we see a trailer for Halo Two. We get a trailer for. Um, Despicable Me 
four, which <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm, I'm in, I, I mean, it, like you really need to worry about it cause there's minions, there's, you know, so much fun and, and interaction and now Gru's a dad and I think the baby is Will Ferrell. So I'm like, mm. the trailer is, is everything you would come to expect from a Despicable Me minions kind of uh, trailer. And I laughed out loud. I literally, I mean, seriously, I did. <laughs> I I chuckled, and again, it's probably not the right space to chuckle at, but just to see a minion get blown up in a vending machine, I, <laughs> I, I <laughs> sorry, I find that funny. So that is there with everything, and we get um, a trailer for Ghostbusters the the new film. Uh, is is this month? It's no Mar- March, March twenty second. Sorry, not this month. Not to get, not to incite the nerds, but we get the Ghostbuster trailer. That's March twenty second, and it looks so good. We get a little bit more to the story, and it looks like Peck is mayor of New York. So that's an interesting twist. But we get all of the family back together. There's two different trailers out there. There's a European one, and then there's uh, the regular standard U.S. one, and there's some differences as far as what they they, they show, uh, the take on it, and, and some of the dialogue's a little bit different, and I don't know if it's by choice or if that's just how it works. We do get to see a little bit more on the library ghost, which I don't know if I'm happy or mad about because if you've played the game you kind of see the the story and how that ends which is the game is the official unofficial uh, third film and yeah there's a long long series of debates on that but the library ghost I'm excited to see but I don't know if I really I kind of liked how her story ended in in the video game so uh, we'll see what they do with that but all in all Yowzers. Everybody's suited up. Everybody's in. And I'm excited to just, just, just move this on. We even get like the Ghostbusters R&D <laughs> section of, of, of the, the franchise. So long and coming. And I know a lot of people have been excited to see this. And I know there's going to be drones all over with ghost traps attached to them. So uh, you know, we'll see how that works out. But Ghostbuster fans, even not a Ghostbuster fan, this looks like it's just going to be a good a good film, in my opinion. The other trailer that kind of landed, and we'll get into this because I'm I'm curious too, but we saw the trailer for Dune 2, which uh is no small undertaking. I mean that that is that is a huge series. And I know that there's already been discussions that it's only going to be three films, even though there's a tremendous amount of material out there with the books and all of that. So eh, I guess that makes sense because it's like Lord of the Rings. What what do you you know bring in? What do you kind of pay tribute to? What do you what do you focus on? And I think if you stay focused on that heart of the story of what's going on and what they did with the first film, absolutely adored the first film. So much good stuff in that, and to see them kind of continue with it that way, I'm I'm fine with it being three films. Now, Timothy Chalamet, who of course was in Willy Wonka, was uh, interviewing was being interviewed by one of the other media outlets, 
And the conversation came up to um, how he was riding his sandworm. And how do you look cool riding a sandworm in just one of those interesting conversations that, how did you get here? And it reminds me of, like, uh, Patrick Stewart always, like, talking about him being Picard in the early years, you know, just kind of jostling about on on the on the Enterprise when things blew up and you got hit by something and just, ugh. So it raises a really good question of how do you ride a, you know, a giant earthworm coolly? I mean, is is there a right pose? And it I don't know. I guess we will see. But I guess there was, um, like, everyone was focused and, like, hyper-focused on how, how do you do it? And... Um, Evidently, there is a unit that is specifically dedicated to the, the worms and building them and doing all of the special effects and everything, just specifically the worms. And they're called actually the worm unit. Chalamet even went on to say the worm unit spent like, I think it was something along the lines of four months shooting a scene that we get two minutes uh, a two-minute sequence in the film. So you can see how much they're putting into this and dedicating to giving it the right feel and the right look. So I don't know if there's a right way to write a worm and insert joke here, and I'll just leave it at that. If you're keeping track and dates, also be prepared that Dune Part 2 opens up March 1st, so it won't be long till we all get to see what what I'm talking about and just all of everything that has gone into this. There's a lot of returning characters and a couple of new ones that um, appear in the books. So we'll see if we get, um, hopefully no one is upset by this, but I think I'm, I'm excited for this film. Absolutely. am. So March 1st, there we go. All right. What else have we got? Let's take a trip around the nerd burst, Shall we? We've got lots of things going on in the streaming services, which are completely, completely out of hand at this point there are in fact red and i were talking about this just the other day of some people collect friends and comics and baseball cards and her spouse is now collecting streaming services because there are just too many and hopefully at some point this rubber band is going to snap back and everyone's going to look at going back to network television network television because this is just bonkers nuts uh, but again, that's a podcast for another day and another subject because I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole of how many different streaming services out there. But let's focus on one or two of them to start. Uh, and speaking of which, network television, let's let's go to Night Court because it's court at night. The la- latest episode, which is huge in my book of best episode ever, uh, we get John Larroquette dressed as a Klingon. And if you're in the know and know your Star Trek history, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, John Larroquette actually was a Klingon in that film. And best of all, um, his, his character name, Maltz, is the name they use in this episode. Fielding is trying to hide from a stalker, serial killer, uh, psychopath that is out for some revenge, and it happens during the time that New York Comic Con is going on, which, in all of its glory, is just... it's. <laughs> it is great. So you got people running around in costume, and Fielding's trying to hide from the stalker, and so one of the the... 
characters does Dan a Klingon makeup job, and it looks great. I mean, it looks like it would be in the film. Totally. So, Fielding running around as a Klingon, classic. And it just, I like when we get to see these little tributes or Easter eggs to the past, acknowledging some of their accomplishments. I don't think Fielding had, or, or um, John Larroquette had a whole lot of lines in Star Trek Three, I mean, most of it was carried by Christopher Lloyd and the you know mostly background character until they got blowed up, and it was great uh, just to see it and to acknowledge it, and even the the jokes that John was able to kind of pull off based on it is great. I've been enjoying the series, and it has been so much fun that uh, it's it's a huge pull on the heartstrings. Now, also. On Night Court, it's been a, it's always been a, a bet as far as like, and, and this is between my brother and I as far as who from Big Bang Theory would be the first special guest. And if if you're playing bingo at home, uh, Raj actually is the uh, the the first Big Bang special guest. So if if you had Raj. You you win and check your bingo card. So we'll see him next week as a love interest for Abby Stone, Melissa Roush's character. And I'm I'm curious how many Big Bang joke references they're going to be able to squeeze into to 30 minutes. So my guess, um, at least, well, okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a oh. Conservative five, at least a conservative five Big Bang references. I'm gonna I almost think that they would go to like to a full ten, but I'm gonna say a conservative five. Uh, we'll see what they do. I'm excited to see this interaction because there was one thing that was in that always bothered me about Big Bang, and it was the fact that um, Howard ended up with Bernadette. I don't. I think he shouldn't have. I don't think it was. I think it would have been a better show if he didn't end up with her. And I have my reasons. It's a long story, and it's a long conversation that I think we had at um, Old Chicago's a few years ago when we went off on the uh, the imperfect world that Big Bang Theory is. But I never thought he deserved Bernadette. And I know Raj was always kind of chasing her in the early years. And just to see this as a love interest just even is a bigger joke if you, you know, watch the show or follow the series at all. We'll see what happens. There'll be uh, this episode will be coming up this week. And if you're interested on the John Larroquette mini tribute to Star Trek, I think that's probably already streaming on NBC. If you get Comcast or the Peacock Network, I guess, again, another streaming service. Speaking of Big Bang alum, uh, Kaylee Cuoco of Big Bang Theory also is, uh, she was doing a series called Flight Attendant. Wasn't bad. Uh, it's already been canceled after season two. She was in a new uh, kind of a interesting, I think it was on Amazon? Uh, may have been Amazon, uh, called Roleplay. And she plays a lady spy that, you know, she's trying to hide uh, from her family that, you know, she's basically a hired killer. And it's interesting. It's n- not, like, over-the-top crazy. I, I'm trying to think who did it better. And I would almost say, like, like 
the long kiss goodnight was a better kind of a adaptation or thought of this story and it's kind of a fun throwaway it i was expecting a little bit more oh you know gunpowder milkshake kind of level intensity or action it's very tame there are some interesting sequences but i kind of was captivated by like the 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 cast because Kaylee's in it and uh, Bill Nighley is in it who plays another uh, hitman and I was just like okay this could be be kind of good so it landed a little flat for me it was still entertaining and it was just kind of fun to see you know Kaylee killing people uh, which we thought you know Penny probably should have you know done through most of Big Bang but. <laughs> At least take Howard out. But it was it was fine. It was an interesting story. We haven't seen too much else out of the rest of the crew. So we'll see, well, Maya and Bialik with uh, Celebrity Jeopardy or Jeopardy, but no longer Jeopardy. Yeah, that's that's a topic for I don't care, <laughs> basically. Um, but role play, simple, very, very vanilla in my opinion. But mm, I could be wrong. Over in a galaxy far, far away, they're ratconning one of, I think, the most significant character deaths possible. Uh, Ventress, if you're familiar with the Star Wars universe and Clone Wars and, and, and all of that, uh, Ventress, who was Dooku's next apprentice, ends up getting killed off. So if you paid attention to The Bad Batch and the new Season 3 trailer... She's she's definitely in there, which I think is kind of disheartening, and and I'm 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 not happy about the choice on this. I like the fact that Bad Batch has gone back and been able to fill in the holes, and we talked about this last week, where we have you know the the gap between Revenge of the Sith and New Hope, and all of that that goes in there, and in and, and dealing with the clones themselves has been a spectacular story and I liked the approach that they have done but ratconning Ventress's death I, I I have a huge issue with the whole point of the, the her character the 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 redemption and everything that she goes through is is a great story and it it happens after the Clone Wars and it was a novel that um with her and Quaylen Voss. Now Voss, we've kind of had indications of him in some of the previous uh, shows, especially Obi Wan, where he's looking at the names of the Jedi that had come through the Underground Railroad there, and Voss is on the wall. Now in the novels, Ventress and Voss actually working together. I don't, and I don't want to give away too much of the story if you're really interested in reading it because it is really, really good. Now, everything that happens, of course, in this story, and I, I know I, I don't want to ruin it, but here I already am. Uh, spoilers. Ventress dies at the end, but she dies in such a glorious way of, you know, trying to help and save Voss from being struck down um, by this, this well, it's a fight with Dooku. There you go. I'll, I'll just throw it out there. It's a fight with Dooku, and for to save Voss, she sacrifices herself. And it's it's probably one of the best um, moments for her character. It's the redeeming moment from her going from full on Sith, you know, badass. I'm gonna, you know, ah, from Dothamir to this sacrificing moment to make sure that Voss survives. And 
and standing up against her former master, who's a Sith Lord. So to have this dichotomy of, you know, good versus evil, the the validation of the character, and to come full swing with the conclusion as it does, I think it's a great story arc. It's a great character arc for Ventress. And to see her being able to be redeemed this way, I think it's great. I'm not too sure what's going to happen in... <sighs> Bad Batch, I just, I'm disappointed. Of all the characters and everything that you can choose from the Star Wars universe, the Star Wars universe, and there's this gap that would be perfectly filled with any other character. Hell, even bring Voss in after, you know, dealing with Dooku and just to kind of see the fallout and all of that, I think it would be glorious. But to bring back Ventress in this way, I think, just cheapens the the whole the whole death. Same thing with Donna Noble from Doctor Who. The way they brought her back, it, I mean, I liked the tragic end, the the consequences, and 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 the price paid, and it just kind of cheapened Donna's sacrifice and all of that. And I think this is kind of the same thing. I don't know if Star Wars is just short on characters, which let's face it, they're not. To kind of do this to Ventress, I, I'm not a, f- a fan. So she, I mean, even at the end of it, um, she was she was given like this respectful burial on Dothamir. She was she was taken home and and was paid you know respects instead of just I don't know I don't even know what they did with Dooku. I mean, you just toss the body out the window i mean i don't i don't know what happens i mean i know you're supposed to burn the body but they gave you know they gave her the full you know jedi sandoff and i think i i hopefully they do it right and i don't know i'm already got a grudge see that's the problem that's the problem will it be good enough to me get over them rat conning it so there's a question for you and i don't know if i have an answer yet i don't know if i will have an answer but what's your thought and the last thing, before I move on to other stuff, uh, Night Swim. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's it's not one to see in the theaters. Go home, wait for it to be released to the streaming services. To me, it was kind of predictable and flat, and there's some huge holes in the plot. And I just, it, it's Pet cemetery in a pool is basically all I got out of it. And there's some interesting concepts but at the end of it, I just, like I said, I think Night Swim ends up treading water at best. And eh, I, I really, really didn't care. I, Thanksgiving, again, I walked out of that film just with a great experience, happy, and one of the best horror films that I'd seen in a while. So after that, to get this as a follow-up was a little disappointing. But Night Swim, eh, wait for it on streaming service. In X-Men news, which I normally don't have any X-Men news because I've been so disappointed in the comic books, but uh, actually this has been a big topic for a lot of fans. In fact, we were at an event this last weekend where this came up and people are really actually talking about this. There's a buzz around this. And I'm talking about uh, Marvel Studios releasing uh, X-Men 97 through, I think it's HBO. And... (coughs) Pardon me. Oh, see, look, 
I start talking bad about the mutants, and they come and get me. Um, <laughs> so X-Men 97 is uh, the animation series that will be coming out soon, and there's been a lot of buzz because there was such a love for X-Men 96, and this is supposed to carry on that tradition and storyline, which we never really got a confirmation. It, it, it was canceled, and that was it. So some information is now starting to come out, including um, the release date. Well, okay, there's no real release date. As it is right now, uh, we're looking at sometime this year, and they're saying maybe spring. And it's been uh, confirmed that I think... I think it was, yeah, 10 episodes for the first season, and they're aiming springtime late March of this year, so we could see it at any time. So the original series, I I enjoyed, but at some point, just because of time and life and things getting away, I never really actually finished watching the series. So I'm very tempted to kind of go back and see some of the, the stuff. Right now, X-Men 97 is set several months after the series finale of the animated series. Uh, I guess the last episode was called Graduation Day. And Mr. Sinister is the the one that is behind the scenes plotting everyone's death. And Charles Xavier, I guess, was killed. It sounds like when... Professor X faked his death or something along those lines in the comics and it that's what I liked about the original X-Men series. They pulled so much content and and stories from the comics that it that's what I liked. And there weren't enough twists and they did kind of mix things up, but it was enough from the comics that it was still a a friend, it was it was a familiar enough story, but it's very well done. And and I liked the the animation, even though everything was just so blue and so bright, but it was it was worth it, and I liked I liked the representation that they gave the X Men from from the comics, and there was so much to pull from at that time, and X Men was at its its height, its zenith. There was there was the the, the Jim Lee series, and, and X Men was just on a roll that you couldn't stop. They were bi monthly. They the X Men could not miss. Uh, unfortunately, that that trend didn't continue. But to see this series kind of come back does does give me a little bit of of hope. And the series land ran a lot longer than I even knew. I remember watching it when it premiered in 1992, and I probably got off maybe 1995 ish. Roughly, when everything I got busy and I didn't have time, evidently, and and I could be wrong, but this ran until 1997, so it had a very successful run with 76 episodes, and everyone has fond memories of it. And I worry about going back to the well and trying to, you know, recapture that that enthusiasm because, as we know, never meet your heroes, heroes, and never go back. So will the new series be any better? Will it be the same? It's a good question. I know they're on the right track when they've pulled a lot of the voice actors from the original series, which is good to see. Uh, Cal Dodd as Wolverine, uh, Allison Seeley Smith as Storm, uh, Lenore Zahn as Rogue, and Christopher Britton as Mr. Sinister. And I do believe that uh, George Buza 
I think that's his name, George Buza, is coming back as Beast. So to see those guys return, and I mean, that was like the core core group. And and you want to say, you know, right voice for the right job. All of them nailed the characters, especially Wolverine, because it just, just had that, that Wolverine-esque kind of feel, you know, like Kevin Conroy as Batman. All of these characters and voices were spot on. I'm curious to see, because in the description, we get more of Magneto, actually, coming in and filling as the headmaster in place of Xavier, which is another great story pulled right out of the pages of the comic. In, in fact, issue 201, Magneto's running, running the mansion because Xavier's off-planet with the Starjammers. So to get the, that kind of story, and maybe they did that. Maybe that came after I left. I don't know. So there's some holes, even in my knowledge on this one, that I'm I'm really kind of excited to go back and visit. I know G.I. Joe has kind of also crept in there, so I don't know if this is just hitting at the right time and the nostalgia bug for me, but I am curious. I'm hoping that they pull this off seamlessly and it gets the the results that they're hoping for. In fact, I hope they deliver what all of the fans want and expect. What is that is a very good question. I don't know. But I will go back. I am going to catch up on these episodes just simply so when tentatively end of March this hits, I'm prepared because I'm a prepared nerd. Speaking of prepared nerds, this actually just kind of came out a little bit ago and images of Sweet Tooth Season 3 have now started to kind of leak out there on Twitter and a couple of other social media sites. And uh, the quote is, Alaska awaits. I love this series. This show has been a huge hit for me. Unfortunately, season three is going to be the final season. I'm very curious to see how they're going to wrap this all up because I could see this seriously going for some time. I know the series in the comics only ran for 40 issues, and I never read that any of them. And in fact, uh, as much as I love Lemire's writing and all of that, at the time when this came out, I had I, I was already like knee deep in like so many other readings, and I couldn't I couldn't I didn't have the bandwidth, didn't have the time. I mean, the stack of comics was already could kill me in my sleep if it fell over, so it never entered into my my preview, but. The the show and not knowing anything has been a marvelous hit. Everything has been spot on. And Robert Downey Jr. pulling this together as the executive producer has been a, a, a treat. It really has. Now, season three is set for the Arctic. And they're heading to Alaska. They're going to go find Sweet Tooth's mom, which is amazing i mean and how this story has flowed has really been kind of fun it there are there there are heartfelt cry deep ugly cry moments there's been cheering there's been some ooh moments there this this it's it's been epic and i don't want to use that word lightly but it has been epic now according to what we've heard gus is going to see a side of the world and humanity that he hasn't seen uh in either two seasons which is remarkable because the second season was pretty brutal that i think uh it would be a little bit more eye-opening for for sweet tooth for gus especially when you 
see, you know, your friends getting killed and people getting ran over by tanks. <laughs> but um, there's some very interesting open lines, open plot that I'm hoping get addressed, especially with this being the final season. Now, there hasn't been a release date yet for when um, you'll be able to see this. The two seasons right now are still available on Netflix, and I hope they do stay available for some time because this is an I, again, I don't want to use this lightly, but it is an epic series, and it it it's it's great. If you haven't watched it yet, give it a watch and and let me know because I think I wish, like I said, I wish this would go on. I still think that they could get a fourth season out of this. So, how do they end it? Where does it end? Excellent question. Evidently, it's going to be chilly. Bring a coat. Speaking of comic book news, um, Howard the Duck. I don't know where you, you sit on this side of the egg, but one way or the other, either you know of him, like him, hate him, or don't care. But believe it or not, Howard the Duck is celebrating his 50th anniversary. And they're doing a very interesting take on Howard for his birthday in the comics. They're going to do a series of what-ifs. And one caught my eye, of course, because he's one he's the guardians of the galaxy he's star lord are you kidding me um it looks like it will be fun and if you're a howard the duck fan of i've 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 tiptoed around howard the duck there are moments where i'm like okay i'm in uh more for comic relief i've enjoyed him showing up in the guardians films absolutely worth every every cent seeing him in there but uh, and even in the, the the animated what if him showing up as I, I don't think he was Star Lord in that, but he's, he's running nowhere, and that was impressive. So, and Seth Green voicing Howard is is perfect. It, it absolutely fits. So if you're into Howard, uh, I know Marvel will be running this for uh, for quite a while. I think most of the the season um pick him up and let me know what you think i know he's going to have uh joining guardians of the galaxy recruited by x-men and um running for president of the united states would you vote howard now on to my final take of the day um and and again not to to cheapen this word but i'm going to talk about the epic reacher season two and I've been I've been given this time to simmer and to think about it because don't get me wrong, there are some really interesting takes on the character. Now the book series itself is huge. Uh, I mean, it is like ridiculously big. And I don't I don't I know I've like probably even scratched the surface on some of the books that I have read for the Reacher series. So to have them jump forward this far in the book series because this was like I think book. 11, 12, uh, somewhere in there, and him teaming back up with his military buddies, it was, um, it was, it was great. It was perfectly timed, and the books themselves stand alone. They are their own stories with incorporating different elements of Reacher's life. So, this, I know this episode, the season, uh, did pull things from different books, which makes perfect sense to me. The story that they're telling is, is massive, and to wait to reveal certain things that you do in the book series in the show would be ludicrous. So them combining some elements from other stories, I think, and how they did it were very well placed and extremely 
well done. But the gray areas that this story navigates in raises a lot of questions. Because Reacher, air quotes here, is the hero. He's the good guy. And yet, um, he's dead set to kill people. I mean, he is he is on a murderous tirade to avenge uh, the death of his, the murder of his fellow, you know, comrades. Comrades in arms. His friends. Uh, even though he's wandering the the earth like Cain um, and not really carrying anything on him but a toothbrush, the the whole story and everything is great. There's some brilliant Easter eggs, even uh, with the Terminator, which <laughs> really made me laugh and just how they kind of slipped that in there. But the the story itself is is great, and to see Reacher interact with some of his fellow um, compatriots, and to see just how deep this character has um, with range and loyalties and all of that. What I like the most about the show is the attention to details. And yes, the details matter. They, they take the time to sculpt the world and to build it in a realistic sense while still you know, giving the, the, the fans what they like and with enough action. And there there is plenty of action in this this series. It's an in, there are some intense fighting scenes and the choreography that was involved with this was probably I mean days in planning and execution. But how it comes off is is absolutely spectacular. I mean I would honestly have to say I mean Brother Son still has me Completely wowed with the choreography, but a close second would would be Reacher, in my opinion. And it's in the 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 presence, just the pure size of Reacher is is what I like, and I like that Alan portrays that in in kind of a an interesting way. He knows he's a big guy, but there are moments where he just kind of seems like he tries to downplay it, and he tries to make himself look smaller or meek. And, and and there's nothing meek about this character, but there are the the humble moments where he he knows he may be at his limit or he's not all of that, even though you know he's four or five feet over the person next to him. And just how Alan portrays that and delivers this this performance of amazing reach uh, is it's it's inspiring and it's cool and this is the Reacher that um, I think the fans love and I know Tom Cruise did the first two films and I know it's because of Tom Cruise and Alan even speaks to this that brought attention to this character and thank God for that I mean I was a fan of the books prior which upset me when I heard Tom Cruise was going to be uh, Reacher in the movies because he just doesn't fit the part, and and I and there's a lot of things that Alan can do just because of size that Tom Cruise cannot. Despite my disliking of Tom Cruise, that out of the way, I'm hoping he doesn't show up in the show. <laughs> but Alan even like is is very thankful and very very con- very. Uh, I don't want to say. He's very complimentive and appreciative of Tom Cruise and and bringing this out and putting it in front of everybody else because 
he might be right. No one may not pay any attention to this character. But what Alan delivers in his own right is intense, and it is great, and it's the perfect balance that this character has in the books of size versus intelligence, and both of them are equal, and there is a presence both intellectually and physically, and Alan delivers this seamlessly. And I enjoyed how he has built this character, how he delivers this character, and how he portrays this character. Now, as we get into the story, it gets a little bit darker. And, again, they they mean to kill these people, and rightfully so. But where does that place the hero? What does the hero mean? And not that there should be consequences. There should be. But when you're dealing with corporate big, huge corporation and they're dropping people out of helicopters, it's kind of hard to get charges to stick and they start taking characters out i mean there there, there's one death in there that is just absolutely heartbreaking and you're like oh and and just how the impact of that actually is relayed in the story and how these characters react and that's what i think is part of the appeal there there's there's genuine Reaction. There's genuine consequences. I mean, the details matter. They even, when they go to Denver, have Denver license plates on the cars. And you see the license plates. There is a shot of the train station downtown in Denver that um, they they pull for the um, reference. Even, like, the city skyscrapers, the, 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 the cityscape. It is Denver that they take the time to shoot. Because there's been places that they come to Denver, and yeah, that that doesn't look like Sweet Tooth. One of them, that's not Denver. I mean, you did get the right picture for Boulder and Red Rocks, but that's that's not Denver. So to see them take the time to tell the story, to craft the story, is is important, and it's encouraging to see storytellers taking the time and doing it right. So we go through the whole story. Of course, Reacher lives. Um, but there's some impressive moments. There are some awe moments. And I'm curious to see where we go. Now, we have been told that season three is already being filmed. It's already in the works. And I think a lot of people are just anxious and ready to get back to work after the writer strike and, and the um, actor's strike. Because we won't even see, on a side note, um, I think... Uh, what was it? Stranger Things we won't see until 2025. Same thing for Wednesday. So to, I think everyone's just anxious to get back to work, especially if we have to wait that long for those two shows. It feels, oh, it's a whole nother year. Come on. I want my Stranger Things now. I want my Wednesday now. But, yeah, it's a side story. But I think that they're just anxious to get this pumped out and to ride the high of and the success of the show. So why not get it done and supposedly already filming, filming in process. They're focusing in on book seven, uh, which is Persuader. And I'm trying to think if I've actually read this one. I know that they've already announced that Neely is coming back, who is a great opposite to Reacher. And it's the yin and yang. And I think the the character dynamic between the two is spot on and it is perfect. And I guess the if I'm remembering, I think I've read this one, but I know that there are um, more military 
uh, back and forth in this one. So it's very similar to dealing with a bigger, better villain versus, you know, some small town that you have to pick on. So dealing with a more capable villain and more realistic villain, again, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm digging. And just to have them build this world out a little bit more, seeing some return characters, because it's rare in the books. Some kind of rotate through, but to see them back-to-back or in in multiple ones is rare for the series. So I like the, choice, the choices. I like the decisions that they're making. And for all of his brutality and just flatness the reacher character is very lovable i i i really like like alan delivering this i think it's been uh a spectacular series uh hopefully they get ser- uh, season three knocked out quick because i'm ready i'm ready for more i mean it couldn't be too much i mean just some explosions some stunt work they can whip that together real quick right <laughs> just a thought uh, let me know what your thoughts are, actually, because uh, I, I, everyone that I've spoken with and talked to about this one uh, is totally on board. They were actually for Reacher's um, punishments. He, he, they, a lot of them that I spoke with were like, "Yep, totally would have done that." And I guess if you mess with your family, then you know it's it's worth it. So we'll see what we come up with for the next season. But this one. Absolutely top shelf. Love the series. Give it a watch. Let me know your thoughts. And last but not least, um, the new trailer for Rebel Moon Part 2 um, the, uh, has just launched, actually. been landed, or is landing. Uh, I'm curious to see... I don't know. I don't know if I'm in on Rebel Moon or not. There's a lot that goes on, and I need to watch it again, perhaps, so that it makes sense. But uh, I don't know. We'll see what I what I decide to do. I'll let you guys know. I'm sure I'll talk about it. But April 19th is the release date for Rebel Moon Part 2. So they're not wasting any time on getting this series out, whether or not people tune in i guess some people like it i've had some very interesting conversations around this series and i don't you know what everyone always focuses in on the action and not much of the characters and not to take anything away from it but they're right i mean the action is spectacular and the 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 backgrounds are uh, tremendous but damn these characters are vapid We'll see. I Maybe we'll get a little bit more of background. Maybe it's just a longer storytelling method. Something different. Something new. And that's what we always want here, right? And on that bombshell, we shall say goodbye. I'll be back next week with whatever is catching my fancy, caught my eye, let you guys know, you know, just the usual, the basics, if you will. Uh, if you have any comments or questions, please, by all means, shoot them my way. I'm always about questions. I love answering them. And... Please like, share, subscribe. Give us give us a little love. Uh, let us know that you're out there, and we appreciate you guys sitting through and giving us a listen. But in the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night. <laughs>